are tuned into CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. It's Punch Radio, and we have Brennan and Jody and Dave. We'll hear from Hank and Craig a little later, but like we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about Bob Odenkirk a little later. We might talk a little bit about some of the comics that are coming out for Free Comic Book Day, but I am on tender hooks because Brennan just got back from. Calgary. Last weekend was the Calgary Expo and it sounds like it was amazing and I think there's going to be some good stories to tell. So how was Calgary? Uh, first off, Calgary was amazing. Now I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit hesitant just because first one after the pandemic. Last year they did the Calgary Expo with like limited tickets and it was controversial because they didn't sell enough and people want their money back, blah blah blah. So this year for me, the big draw was Kevin Smith. So Kevin Smith and Jason Hughes and the Clerks cast was there. Um, and for me, that was, when I first saw Clerks in the 90s, that really changed my opinion of movies and things. I'm like, I need to see Kevin Smith. That was my, my big thing. So uh, I rolled into Calgary Thursday, had a travel day. Friday, did the con, did some shopping. I had one comic, one, that I wanted to find to fill a hole Animal Man, number 26. The first booth I stopped at had Animal Man, number 26, done. So my comic shopping was finished. It's the one where Grant Morrison uh, presents himself to Animal Man saying, hey, by the way, I'm sorry your, your life is horrible. I'm the writer. It was my fault. And I have like Animal Man from like eight up to like 50. And that was the one I was missing. And so I found that right away. So that was awesome. Like for 10 bucks, can't complain. I found the uh, death statue, the the DC bombshell nurse version, which I shopped at Amazing Stories over and over and over again. And the one month I decided to buy it, it was sold. And I found one from Red Skull Comics, Calgary store. So I shopped local. That was awesome. So the two big shopping things I wanted, I found. Done. Um, next, I did the Kevin Smith panel. And the, the reason I went was for Kevin Smith. Big fan. Super excited. So Friday night was the uh, Jay and Silent Bob like panel. Kevin Smith was late because he was flying from Houston. So it was like uh, Jay and Brian O'Hanlon. Like, like talking about clerks and stuff. Kevin Smith showed up. Awesome. At the end of the podcast or panel, they said, I have a script that I want to read. I need two males and a female who wants to read. I put my hand up. Guess who got to read next to Kevin Smith? this guy so i didn't have a lot of lines but there's like kevin smith uh a woman reading Alyssa jones and then myself reading a new character sean someone and the guy next to me reading hold mcneil i was so nervous i tried cracking jokes during the reading and i realized that kevin smith didn't want me to crack jokes because he was like his show right i tried i thought it was hilarious when we first started i moved his laptop it's like don't touch my laptop. I'm like, oh, well, we can't see it. And then later on, he moved the laptop and I said, um, I've been a director as well. And I know where do people need, anyway. I felt like I crossed the line. I felt so bad. Anyway, but I was on stage and the next day I'm at the uh, Friday con. My brother texts me, he's like, hey, does he know my coworker got to be on stage with Kevin Smith? Isn't that cool? I was like, yeah, yeah, so was I, right? So, and that day, as I was like walking around the con, I got spotted like twice 
one time he's like, hey, Brennan. I'm like, hey. And then the second time in a bathroom, which sounds weird, but a staff member, I'm washing my hands. He's like, hey, did you read with Kevin Smith last night? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh man, you are awesome. I'm like, awesome, thanks. So that was great. Friday, get my picture taken with, with Kevin Smith. You know, like, and like, he is such a nice guy. Like him and Jason Muse. like sometimes when you meet the celebrities, they're very like staunch and right. Not at all. Like Kevin is all, all the hugs, like high-fiving. I'm like, wow, like COVID is going to be rampant in this place. It was packed, like shoulder to shoulder. I guarantee like 95,000 people. Anyway, see Kevin Smith, do the hugs, do the thing. Uh, we chatted for a little bit and he's like, oh, Brennan from last night. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you killed it, man. You were wicked. Wow. Like, oh, thanks. So then I had my photo taken with Jay and Son well, Kevin Smith and Jason Muse. And then as a last minute decision, I thought I'd frame it and have them sign the actual glass frame. I stood in line for over an hour for the autograph, shoulder to shoulder. And again, like we're all chatting and we're like, yeah, we're all getting COVID. It's a, it's fine <laughs> at that point. So I get to the front, Jason signs it. Kevin asked, like, what's your name? And then on my picture, he wrote, you're the best one on stage that night. I was like, oh. and I said to Kevin Smith, I'm like, just, you know, like I'm in my first play, like in December, you know, and I, jokingly, I should find an agent. He's like, oh, if you want an agent, take a photo of that. That's a resume. I recommend you. And it was so cool. But yeah, so like out of all the fandom stuff I wanted, I got more than I could have expected. So I got the photo, got the autograph. I got a hug, hand claps, props from Kevin Smith. So that was amazing. I found the comic that I wanted and a statue. There were so many people there. It was crazy. So I thought for the first year back, it might be more like scaled down. Not at all. Um, I think if anything, there were more people there. The food lineups were longer than usual, <laughs> to be honest. And it was like weird and disorientating, but also kind of nice to see that all the comic fans were coming back out. There weren't a lot of panels I wanted to see. There was a lot of cosplay panels, which I think was because it was like, like more local people that could fill the spots in. The one thing I didn't get to see as much of was like the creator floor. I went the first day, but I only went for two days, not the full four. And they didn't have like the Jim Lees or like some of the big, big names. Uh, Mitch, oh shoot, what's his name? Uh, Miracle Man artist, Mitch, uh, Mitch Gerdes, I forget his name. Anyway, I think he was supposed to be there, but I didn't see his booth. I did quickly talk to some local comic creators and I went to go back, but the problem was I only went for two days. So if I would have went later, I would have had a whole day of like shopping for like the comic stuff. But again, for the fandom stuff, I got to see what I wanted, which is awesome. I did the clerk's panel. I missed the John Cleese panel because I was in line for autographs. But as crazy as it was, it was nice to see people out and enjoying comics and fandom. There is no way that like everyone there made money. It was, <laughs> it was so busy. So it was a nice way of being like the, the world is coming back together. And, uh, you know, hopefully next year it will be even better. So, but it was a great con. I'm not going to lie. Personally, the whole Kevin Smith stuff was awesome for me. Um, yeah. And it was a really great weekend. So there you go. It's, that's a great story. Well worth waiting for. And I'm really, really happy for you. You have a glow about you that, uh, yeah, that, that'll, you'll be able to ride that wave for a while. I think. Well, and, and we, what? we've heard before that he's a really gracious guest at those conventions and that like, 
you know, that he's somebody who doesn't disappoint with the personal connection. So. Oh, totally. And like, I mean, in, in past years, they have like the smaller celebrities have like the upstairs line version and the bigger ones have like the uh, curtained area where it's like one person at a time and like no one watches you. And this year it was all upstairs. Like they did scale back a little bit. So you felt the pressure of being fast and being quick. But even then, like I said, he hugged everyone that came through. Incredible. They would take time. They were like so gracious and so nice. And like, you could tell he's like, you know, thank you for being here because you're paying for my rent or whatever it was. But they were both so nice and so sweet. And you know what? The autograph lineup did take a long time. But once you got up there, again, he took his time. They would chat for a few seconds and you didn't feel rushed. But you realize, yeah, it took a bit more time because they actually want to talk to you. So, yeah, it was great. Great weekend. Yeah. Support your cons because they need the support. Okay. Well, there is one in the city tonight, tomorrow and Sunday. So if you feel like you want to take part in something like that, it is happening out at Prairie Land. Hank will be there to film some stuff for Punch TV. And Craig is going to be hosting a bunch of panels uh, so you can you know get your punch fix at the expo as well so um, and speaking of those two guys we're going to throw things over to them to get their pop culture take for the week and then we're going to talk about some bob odenkirk hey everybody it's craig silliphant here on punch radio on cfcr 90.5 fm and uh as always i'm here with my good buddy hank and we're talking about all kinds of things pop culture related uh normally we'd go through some shows and things that we're watching uh and i did get a chance to see the northman and bad guys this week and i think hank you also saw bad guys uh both were interesting movies but and you know, and I saw The Northman too last oh, night. Did you? Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What'd you think? I loved it. I loved every minute of it. That was a fantastic movie that so many people are going to hate. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, uh, it's like an art film for action fans, kind of. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, directed by the same guy that did The Witch and The Lighthouse. So if that gives Lighthouse. you any indication of like, you know, that it, it gets a little weird. But it's definitely a testosterone-fueled, visually stunning. Oh, and the uh, attention kind of to detail in that movie, just like uh, the, that Witch movie. And well, I guess The Lighthouse too, but the attention to detail of like, oh... Oh, amazing. Yeah, he's a great director. But Should I know you be, had uh, some other stuff you wanted to talk about, speaking of things happening in pop. Oh, yeah. So uh, this is airing, right? So right now, I believe Sask Expo is open uh, for yes. the weekend because you're going uh, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. But uh, tomorrow and Sunday, you are going to be doing some panels, some interviews with some of the celebrity guests. Uh, yeah, that is correct. So yes, the Saskatoon Entertainment Expo runs all weekend at Prairie Land. And there's, of course, artists and exhibitors and then celebrity guests like Carrie Elwes from The Princess Bride, Erica Durance from Smallville, Anthony Rapp uh, from Dazed and Confused and Star Trek Discovery, and Wilson Cruz from My So-Called Life and Star Trek Discovery, Catherine McNamara from Arrow and Shadowhunters, uh, you can find out more at saskexpo.com. But yes, I am doing panels with uh, Carrie Elwes and Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz. So pretty excited. So when you get the, the panels all set up and they're like, these are the people that we want you to interview, how do you go about preparing for the actual panel? Because a lot of people I'm sure think, oh, you just sit up on stage and go, oh, let's ask some boring question. And then you go on and it's like, I'm sure that you, uh, knowing you for many years now, would try to think of maybe a few questions that some people wouldn't have asked or the one that isn't asked all the time and also things that you want to know. 
um, combined with the generic questions as well. But what is your process to actually prepare for something like this? Yeah, I mean, it can be like a pretty uh, like nerve wracking thing sometimes because it's obviously in front of a live audience and everything. And this person's, you know, famous. They're used to being asked questions like that. Uh, and I know in the first year, when they were just getting this thing off the ground, I did a bunch of panels and you had Kevin Conroy that plays like Batman on the animated series. He had a room full of people. I didn't, all I had to do is keep my eye on my watch and make sure like at 45 minutes, like I didn't even ask to ask him any questions. I just basically did crowd control in the room. But uh, that same year, William B. Davis, the smoking man from the X-Files, like not a lot of people showed up for his panel. So it was like kind of nerve wracking and I was well prepared and I had questions for him and everything, but you know, it can, it, it can run the gamut of these crazy things. So I oddly enough end up getting a little bit of anxiety about it a few weeks out because I just want to be well prepared. So, uh, you know, preparation kills that. But what I usually do is, you know, I'll go through their, uh, you know, their career, whether that's like, you know, on IMDb, their movies, you know, the list of the movies they've been in and, and things like that. And the other projects I know about, I do all kinds of research on them. I might even watch some online panels uh, to just kind of get a sense of their personality and like whether they're crusty or friendly or, you know, uh, that, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and then I sit down and I write more questions. We do the same thing in radio, right? Like it's, you do more show prep than you can possibly use in case you end up needing it. So I'll end up writing like, so usually they're about 45 minute panels and, you know, it takes a couple of minutes to answer a question if you've got a good guest. And so I'll write like, you know, 20, 25 questions, uh, knowing full well that I'm not going to get to all of them. Uh, and lots of those are, you know, you got somebody like Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz are great examples. So both those guys are on Star Trek. I imagine there'll be a big Star Trek contingent in the crowd. And, uh, you know, they're going to have their own questions too. So I'll throw in a little like, you know, I'll ask some of those questions. I'll throw in some dazed and confused questions or my so-called life. Or in the case of both of these actors, they're actually both uh, queer actors. So, you know, there's inter and, and the show deals with that too. So, you know, there's some interesting questions I think you can uh, put in there. It's meant to be fun and I'm not meant to be the center of attention. They are. And I, and I, and I think the audience is too. So, you know, I like to ask a few questions to get things going and then I'll, you know, throw to the, to the audience on the floor who can ask questions. And then I'll sort of just moderate to make sure they're, you know, not hogging the mic or anything like that. But basically I boil it down to those questions. I print them out on little recipe cards. <laughs> I was going to say, I've seen your color coded recipe cards yep. and people are like, oh, it's all on your phone and it's on something. Oh no, Craig's old school. Old you got school, these recipe baby. cards. Yeah, That's right. But My that's, memory's uh, not good enough to like remember these questions and I don't want to sit there with a clipboard or a piece of paper. So I got the handy little recipe cards you can fit in your hand, which is I think what a lot of those late night talk show guys do too. I, that's probably where I stole it from. And then yes, I use neon cards that are color coded for each guest so I don't get them mixed up or anything. And then we do the panel and they're usually really fun. So how uh, a deep dive do you do? And would you ever pull out a question for, say uh, the, the one guy from Princess Bride? Well, everybody knows him from Princess Bride. Well, he did an episode of this weird TV show um, in 1975. Um, do you bring that up or you're like, we're only gonna stick with the stuff that people know and just streamline it? Uh, generally, like uh, I, I do a little bit of that. So like, I think most people want to hear about these guys on Star Trek or the Princess Bride or whatever, uh, but Michael Rooker actually is a great example from, I guess it wasn't last year because the COVID meant there was no expo the last couple of years, but the last one, the last expo, I did a panel with Michael Rooker from, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Walking Dead, uh, lots of great shows. He's a great actor. Uh, it was a fun panel because he was demonstrating Kung Fu and throwing me around on stage like a ragdoll. But he's in a movie uh, from the, uh, I want to say like the late 80s or mid 
90s or somewhere uh, called Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. And yeah. so uh, I, you know, I had to ask him that question. Uh, so, you know, I'll throw in those like more obscure uh, things. As you mentioned, like lots of these guys have like, you know, TV resumes that are fairly uh, big. Uh, Carrie Elwes even was on uh, The X-Files, which is one of my favorite shows. And he came in in the later seasons when the show wasn't as good, but even that might be a good question right there. Like how was the experience at that time when the show had kind of been like, you know, past its peak or whatever? Uh, you obviously don't want to ask them like questions that are going to offend them or something, but, but it's interesting. And we've had guests that, uh, that don't want certain questions asked. So they, you know, we talk about it beforehand and, you know, we'll come up with a plan if somebody asks one of these questions, if there's something they've been in the news for lately or, or whatever. Uh, you mean like uh, getting bitten by a rattlesnake and almost losing your finger like that? Or? Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to ask him about <laughs> that one. Yeah. Carrie always was airlifted to hospital this week. Uh, get, having gotten bit by a rattlesnake. I think that'll be the first question I ask him probably, but uh, unless he asks me not to backstage, but, but yeah, so yeah, I'll, I'll slip in some like more obscure questions here and there. Yeah, but I'm excited to see the panels and, uh, and uh, like you mentioned uh, after I've uh, uh, watched you uh, do many, many the, the panel at an event like this, uh, what the, best thing is you don't make it about you which i've right. seen other people do at these events and you're like we, we don't care like let the guest answer yeah. the question well even some of the questions from the audience like there's a five minute preamble to their question because they want to show yeah. you that they know so much about star trek and and it's like he doesn't care he's an actor he doesn't In star trek discovery season one yeah, episode exactly. three about 41 minutes in your character and, and they're looking like i don't remember saying that at all yeah exactly like, i just read the you. script and then i forget it i don't know what he wants it's weird i'm an actor oh god Quickly, uh, you put out a, a premium article on CBC, which I, of course, uh, read it and, and knew what you were talking about. But some people um, didn't understand where you were coming from. And uh, it now is like all over the place. So tell everybody who have, hasn't read it about the article. But it, I know one part that I really enjoyed was that taking back civility and your ideas for that was people smoking more weed. I say go for the gummies. Free Slayer albums for cathartic headbanging release. Well, obviously, I do that in the car, even with the kids all the time. Yoga, the purge, and the yoga purge. These are all great ideas <laughs> that I think you should implement. But quickly, uh, this article, you got to tell people about it so they can read it. It's really good. Yeah, so it's on uh, cbc.ca or you can find it if you find my social media i posted it uh but it was basically uh about the the rise of anger the age of rage that we're living in right now and the death of civility and now i need to be clear that like i'm not talking about the big things that you should be angry about like racism and homophobia and things like that uh, people might share a recipe for butter tarts online now and it'll turn into a whole like argument you know people shouting from each end of their political spectrum and the, you know as you're alluding to the funniest part of the article it's a comedy article actually I should note too. So I'm not trying to really solve the world's problems. I'm just sort of poking fun at some of these ideas. But the comments were the funniest part because it was like some people just didn't understand irony at all. The irony of them attacking each other in the comments on this article about that we need to like take civility back and listen to each other more. And they attacked each other and they attacked me. Some of them were making kind of sexist homophobic comments about the fact that I have earrings as a man. So uh, it, it was it was pretty funny. But I mean, the, the article blew up across Canada and there was a lot of great response to it. I mean, like I said, you could put a butter tart recipe up now and you're going to find that kind of division. But like uh, I got emails from Nova Scotia, from all over uh, Canada, people that were, you know, thanking me for giving them a chuckle or, you know, or just, you know, expressing some of these ideas. So uh, it was a it was a fun article to write. But people have to expect, OK, and 
that, you know, some people are just professionally angry, just like you, says Lou <laughs> David. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know where they're getting that that's, from, but uh, that's, maybe that's they were right. Lou Craig is just professionally angry. Yeah. yeah. The media that's at large, or was it referring to me? I don't know, but uh, now I got to stop wearing my earrings too. This is a whole thing. Oh my God, this is too much. Yeah, I know. I think the people that are professionally angry are those people that are wasting their time yeah. commenting and they're like, every time you comment and, and click it actually just it, it works in my favor. So I mean, if you really I, hate me and you hate the pieces like that, just ignore them. Just don't look to quote the Simpsons. But uh, we are out of time for you and my segment today. Uh, so we will come back next week and uh, talk about some more pop culture stuff. And right now we're going to throw over to Jody. Thank you for your great questions, Hank. I love you. I love you too. I love you. All right. So Bob Odenkirk. Love Bob Odenkirk. This guy is a superstar. Can't say enough about how great he is, how much I love him. He is a perfect example of a brilliant comedy mind who really like made it as a writer and then made it as an actor. And that doesn't often happen that way. He started out writing for Saturday Night Live, wrote some epic memorable stuff on that show and then he wrote for like a lot of different talk shows and comedy shows he wrote for Dennis Miller and the Ben Stiller show he wrote for Larry Sanders show he was a writer on Conan O'Brien he's probably best known uh, as a writer and actor for his own show which he did with David Cross Mr. Show which is brilliant if you love sketch com it's so funny there's so many classic sketches and then he broke bad. Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul really put him on the map as far as like contemporary North American audiences go as Saul Goodman. He is so brilliant. His acting is just amazing. It feels so genuine. He's just an amazing actor. And uh, he has done a ton of movies and a ton of shows. Um, we talked about his... Um, action movie nobody which came out last year which was amazing and i hope that he makes more of that kind of stuff because yeah he's got some serious range this guy is awesome and, and i think i think i talked about nobody on a show actually and if i didn't i meant to but if you haven't seen nobody check it out so 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 good it, it is so good so better call saul final season the first half of the final season is freshly out we have watched the first couple of episodes that have been released it is so good and he has a book out too which i have not read yet but dave like powered through in like a day um and so i would like to hear your book review of comedy 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 drama well i want to give it a rave review for being a great book but I'm a very prejudiced reader because Bob Odenkirk is like one of my favorite people. So I probably would have loved this book no matter what. So I will warn his fans who are thinking about reading his memoir that there's actually very little about Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul in it. it that, those things get their time. But really what this book is, is for at least the first hundred pages, it's just a great tapestry of sketch comedy from the 1970s on. And like when you like reading this memoir of somebody who did so much work in sketch comedy, you really need to have like a laptop or a tablet handy so that you can use YouTube as like a footnotes kind of thing to discover all of these great comedy troops and sketches. 
some of which he wrote, some of which he performed in, and some of which were just some of his favorites when he was a young guy watching TV and discovering these things. The book has very little personal information. Every once in a while, he'll, he'll touch on like a personal life or family subject, but very quickly move away from it. Like one example of that that's not too big a spoiler is he talks about how, you know, in preparing to play this vengeful kind of Liam Neeson type character in Nobody, his family actually suffered two break, were the victims of two break-ins in their home right before he got ready to do that role. And that sounds like a really good story that could fill a few pages. And he just sort of drops it in there and moves away from it very quickly, which happens many times in the book, maybe trying to protect the privacy of his family. I'm not too sure. One great thread that runs all the way through the book is his relationship with a comedy writer named Del Close, who he met when he was working for Saturday Night Live. Uh, that's a great story that, you know, I won't spoil, but just like you, you get to hear about one of his biggest mentors and he's really appreciative of the influence that guy gave him. Also, his reverence for David Cross just shines right off of the page. Like um, we know they were a great team. We know they've worked together many times and reunited throughout the years, but pretty much right from the time he meets him in the story right until the very end of the book. David Cross is a really, really prominent figure in Bob's work and in his life. And he, he uses this memoir to make sure that, you know, even though he's the one from Mr. Show who became more famous and everything and is, is maybe going to be like the next Tom Hanks or the next Bill Murray, he, he lets everybody know that he wouldn't have gotten to where he was without his partner. Um, and that was a sweet thing to read, me being a fan of Bob Odenkirk, but first and foremost, a fan of, of Mr. Show. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, there's been some good, like, junket-related uh, material on YouTube, some interviews and things that he's done to promote the book. And there's a, a session that he taped in L.A. with uh, Jack Black. And it's fascinating. And he, he actually talks a lot about the book um, and different aspects. And of course, like they work together quite a bit and it's it's moving and you can see he's like a regular guy. Like he's just a genuine person, which I think to truly tap into comedy, you you need all those aspects like you you have to be completely humble and like, you got to show your, your bareness. <laughs> if you're not willing to do this, I don't think you can be like as funny as he is. Yeah. So even though the book maybe doesn't focus on what a lot of Bob's modern fans are going to be interested in reading about that without feeling like he's name dropping, you're just getting so many good stories without anything sleazy or smutty about everybody from like David Spade to Chris Farley to Sarah Silverman to uh, Janine Garofalo, Ben Stiller, Andy Dick, all these people that he's worked with, um, even Steven Spielberg, who directed him in The Post, which like I forgot he was in that. And I don't think I ever knew David Cross was in that, but the stories about them reuniting to be in a Steven Spielberg movie together are really funny. So pick it up. Comedy, 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 drama. Pick it up. Okay, well, we've got one minute left, so I want to put a quick plug in for Free Comic Book Day, which is next 
Saturday. So it's May 7th. It's going to be amazing. Go to any comic book store, pick up free comics. I've been reading through some of the stuff that we've been uh, getting at the store just to get an idea of what things are. And what I love best about free comic book day is you can take a chance on something and read something that you would otherwise never pick up. So I read Bloodborne, which is based on a video game. And it's, uh, it's almost like a recap of all this stuff that has already happened in that comic world and those graphic novels. And it's written by Cullen Bunn, who is a really good writer. And then I also picked up uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which it's almost like a yearbook. And then it's got a little bit of story. It's cool. It was fun. And, uh, you know, it was enticing. And I might actually pick up some Buffy comics going forward. I really, really enjoyed it. So make sure you mark your calendar, go to a comic store, pick up some comics, meet some artists and writers, and just have a great day and enjoy the joy, which is comics. And that wraps up another episode of Punch Radio. So you know where to find us here on CFCR every Friday at six. And in the meantime, keep your dukes up.